Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Uh, welcome to the Metron Live podcast, coming to you from a uh, beautiful Kirkwood neighborhood, which is Midtown adjacent at the very cool Atlanta Theater. Uh, Metron people, would you please welcome the podcast people and let them know that you're here. Whenever you're listening to this, we appreciate it. And as always, thank you to the rock god of podcasting, Mr. Charles McFall, who has been with me many years and is always faithful and always does an excellent job. Just so you know, we're streaming on YouTube and all of these, they're not, they're usually not up immediately, but within, but before the week is over, this will be up on YouTube as well. So you can, uh, you can listen to the podcast, but you can also watch on our YouTube page. It's YouTube slash Bish in the now. Okay. So, uh, I speak into this atmosphere and I say, let there be light. Um, before I get started, um, what I want to talk about today, I'll come on in. Um, I, I want to say a few things that probably I don't even need to. Hey, thank you. Come on, Jesus. Good. Thank you. Now, as I say, Claudette sent me an offering this morning. I thought, well, she's not coming. That's the, that's the offer. That's her way of saying, I won't be there. But I was wrong. I miss, I repent for judging you wrong. <laughs> um, yes, and she brought a present. That's good. Right now, you just pulled into the lead. You're my favorite right now, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I want to say some things that you probably don't need for me to say, but I want to say it. Um, Y'all know I believe in God. Y'all know I believe God is real. Uh, y'all know that I love the Scriptures. You know that I love Jesus. I love what Jesus did when He came to the earth. I love what, according to the Scriptures, He continues to do. Hebrews 7.25.20 Hebrews 7.25 says He ever lives present tense to make intercession for us. So if you understand the ministry of Jesus, it's ongoing. Um... I believe the scriptures are inspired. I don't believe they're infallible. I don't think they claim to be infallible. I think the the uh, Bible authors would be scandalized to see the level of bibliolatry that exists in the world today. These were men in antiquity who tried to explain transcendence in their day, in the language that they had. Uh, I don't think they meant for their revelations to get locked in and become dogma something that we spend the rest of eternity arguing over. There are over 46,000 Christian denominations, which are basically based on one group saying another group, you're wrong in this, in your interpretation of the Scriptures. So the very fact that there's that much division says to me, the letter, the letter kills. The letter kills unity. The letter kills understanding. The letter kills communication. Um, the letter kills the ability to say, I don't necessarily see God the way that you see Him. 
or her or it or however you say it. To me, uh, gender is irrelevant when we talk about spirit beings. Um, but if, if, if you say, I can never speak to you again, I can never talk to you again, I have to sever all ties with you because you interpret a verse of Scripture different from me, that's problematic as far as I'm concerned. Uh, when you've lost the ability to agree to disagree, you're missing out on something I talked about last week. Uh, Moses talked about the secret place of the Most High, and what I believe that means is I have a place with God that's unique to me. It's secret. There's no way you can judge it because you couldn't possibly understand it. You can benefit from the fruit of it, but my my place with God can't be yours. It can't be grandfathered in. I can't judge. Come on in. I can't judge your uh, secret place because it's secret. It's supposed to be. There's something that you're, you you have with God that I can't touch. I can't even touch with my opinion. I have to say that you know what. If that's the revelation that you have, then I have to respect that. That's why some purists say that. Uh, you know, the way we define the word namaste that really basically came out of Buddhism uh, is not a, a, a perfect interpretation. It's one of those things when it goes from language to language, it's, it, it lose, you know, you have to understand the culture to understand what it means. But in its most basic form, it means that which is sacred in me honors that which is sacred in you. Uh, you could say it this way, my revelation of God bows to your revelation of God. Um, I've told this story many times. Uh, I, I have a sort of a collection of stories that I tell about uh, diversity of belief systems that I've learned over the years that have happened in different countries. One that I refer to a lot is um, some years back, I, I was actually in Korea. Uh, we were with uh, Doc. We we're having a bunch of us were having breakfast with Reverend Sun Young Moon, who you know when I. Uh, traveled with them. I said, just so you all know, I'm never going to see Reverend Moon the way y'all see him. I, I don't believe the what y'all believe about him is not what I believe. However, when he says Jesus appeared to him on a mountain in 1934 and said, finish my work, I can believe that because I think Jesus appears to everybody in some way and says, finish my work. I mean, to me, that's a fulfillment of it's necessary that I go away, uh, you know, so that basically you can become me. Y'all still with me? Um, so that day at the big breakfast table, we're sitting there, and uh, I've got um, uh, an imam on this side of me, and um, you know, with his turban on, and then I've got next on this side are two or three um, Buddhist monks who are Japanese, sweet little guys. Their heads are all shaved. They've got an orange, uh, you know like sheet-like thing around them and they don't speak a word of English I don't speak a word of Japanese but someone was telling me at the table that what these guys have to go through to become monks is unbelievable they have to fast for 40 days and they have to stand under a waterfall for seven days they, they do way more to, to achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve than any Christian I ever met um, so I was impressed with that, and they just see, you know, even if you don't speak the language, you could tell when somebody's being very loving, and when you looked at them, they were, you know, super respectful, and I'm sitting there, I've got on clerical garb, I've got on a collar, and I've got my cross, and when you, when you, I don't wear it that much now, but when you're not wearing the robe, the cassock, if you're just wearing like a, a suit, you, and you, you put the cross in your coat pocket, 
I can't tell you how many weddings I've done where at the end the photographer says, I've been wanting to do this all, you know, your cross is crooked. I'm like, no, it's not. It's where it's supposed to be. Get your hands off my cross. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the symbolism is that the, you wear it over your heart because ideally the bishop is willing to lay his life down for the church. So whatever, that's fine. I understand the whole language of the clerical stuff. It's, it has its place. I'm not against it. Um, but in trying to make conversation with these men, you know, we're, you know, I don't know if you ever talked to somebody that you don't speak a word of their language. They don't speak a word of yours. You automatically start speaking louder because the instinct is if I just say this louder, they're going to understand what I'm saying and they're not hard of hearing. They just don't speak the language. And so we're trying to find some common ground and, you know, we're, there's a lot of smiling and sort of, you know, deferring to. And so one of them points to, you can see the chain going into my uh, shirt pocket. What is that? And I got, a, a, a few months before, this this group of people had taken me to Jerusalem. And I mean, they, the Unification Church don't play. I mean, they fly you first class. All I mean, I could, sometimes I think I should have just joined. <laughs> what was I thinking? But uh, <laughs> me and my, me and my ethics and integrity. <laughs> I could just be more hypocritical. That's been my problem all along. I could have I could have been much bigger if I just lied more. But uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, when we were in Jerusalem, I had bought a right in the old you know old city. I'd bought a cross. Some of you've seen it. It's big and ornate and sort of looks Greek Orthodox, I think. So he pointed, what is that? So I pulled out my cross, and when I did, these three men in unison just went, and they bowed to the cross, and they stayed that way for several seconds. Um, I'm holding the cross like I'm I'm resisting vampires, you know, and... uh, they were so reverent, and I thought, you know, that's very interesting because you're from a completely different belief system. And just for me showing you this symbol of what would be, you know, the ultimate Christian symbol, you're showing so much respect, so much honor to it. I don't know any Christian in, in my world that w- would have been that respectful of some Buddhist symbolism. And uh, I just, that really touched me, and it's, 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 uh, those a series of anecdotes that I've sort of tucked away to remind myself of, you know, I told you about the man in Nigeria that came up to me and, you know, uh, who was Muslim and wanted to pray with me. And I'm pacing back and forth, praying in the spirit. And he, you know, Muslims typically bow toward Mecca and he did it right with me. I mean, he paced back and forth. And so I, you know, I've had all of these sort of experiences that have brought me to where I am now. Um, you know, Bishop Pearson needs a miracle. And if, uh, if something doesn't happen in his body, he's, you know, he's very close to possibly transitioning. And he's, I'm a devotee of Carlton Pearson. I've known him for 40 years. I will say this. He's, he had the courage to say a lot of things that I always believed early on that, yes, was inspirational to me. Not the least of which, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? The word inclusion. Not the least of which, you know, sometimes somebody will say something that 
it's just a nearly an off-the-cuff statement, but it just changes everything. And I remember years ago when my uncle Earl was still alive, and we were at the we were I had gone to the cathedral of the Holy Spirit. Carlton Bishop Pearson was preaching, and he was like in the throes of controversy at that moment because he had said he didn't believe hell was literal and all these ministries that he had helped over the years and really detective over it. And I was sitting on the stage listening to him preach, and it, you know he wasn't saying anything I didn't believe. I mean, I remember. And I know this is repeat for a lot of y'all, but I need to, with what I'm about to say to you, I need to get this on this installation. Y'all good with that? Um, he's, he's, you know, in the midst of all this controversy, and people are blogging about him, and he was talking about it a little bit. And, you know, even back then, I had had enough share of my controversy that I, you know, I could relate to what he was saying. Um, but then he said, what I don't understand, because he, his, his, he was talking about every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, meaning that ultimately everyone will be saved. And um, he said, what I don't understand is why these Christians don't hope I'm right. Now that seems like a, that seems like a simple statement. I, one, one of my dearest friends uh who you know we're still on facebook and he surprisingly liked on something last week i didn't think he still spoke to me because years ago he took me to lunch and he said i can never talk to you again because of what you believe about you know ultimate reconciliation he said i think it's a blasphemy i think it's a heresy i said wow really we can find i said but can i just ask you one thing if if every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that jesus is lord well, when's that going to happen he said, well, I don't know. I said, well, that's, if you can answer that, you might want to still talk to me. <laughs> Sonia said, you need Jesus. And, you know, I looked, he posted some pictures this week, and I was looking at him. I thought, you know, I hope you've, you know, God, God bless you. Um But Baides, long before he, you know, now he just preaches mostly about Donald Trump. But back in the day, you know, Kenneth Copeland, he was the, the go-to guy about the faith message. And I remember we, we brought him to our church. I worked with my dad. I was his associate pastor. And Brother Copeland was preaching on a Sunday morning service. And about 2,000 people there on a early morning. And he's talking about a scripture and he says, he, he refers to um, sin that believe. And he just very off the cuff says, um, let me tell you what that means. He said, the whole world's saved, they just don't know it yet. And I remember looking around thinking, wait, what? What did you just say? Because it seemed to go over everybody's head. And I thought, that's very interesting. So years later, when Bishop Pearson started preaching some of these things, I was, I was already on that trajectory. Uh, I did not create certain reality re realities about my life did make me look deeper into the scriptures. Because if there was a scripture that said all blue-eyed people go to hell, I'm sure I would have said that cannot be right. I've got to, I've got to look deeper into the original meaning of what, why that guy said that. Because I just, I just can't accept that I was born with blue eyes, but that's going to make me hell bound. Um, 
And then, since I'm telling all these stories, I have to tell this one too. You know them all. I try to say them a little bit different. But years ago, when I was still with the ICCC, I was on their college um, healing prophet. Assuming these stories are not uh, embellished, which I have no way of knowing, but I have heard stories of him, like in foreign countries, praying for a hundred blind people at one time and them being healed. And, you know, it's one of these mass meetings or, you know, a hundred people coming up out of wheelchairs. I mean, if all the stories are true, he had more physical healing miracles attributed to him than Catherine Kuhlman or Benny Hinn or some of these names that you would connect with healing ministry. And we... Uh, this is when Debbie and I were married. We were sitting there. It was, it was, uh, he had gone on for a long time. People were jet lagged. Everybody on the, all the ministers sitting on the platform were sound asleep, including my uncle, because we were on, you know, we were, we were, we were jet lagged. And, and I was kind of, you know, my ADD had kicked in about, he started saying this, and this is a man who knows about the authority of the name of Jesus. He says, uh, he said, the, the Muslims call him Allah. The Buddhists call him Siddhartha. He starts going through all these names of the different, one of those moments. I'm very sensitive to words. And I know sometimes a word is spoken to me and I think, oh, I will not be the same after I just heard you say that. And he paused for a second and he said, in the microphone, he said, but his name is Jesus. And when he said it, Again, kind of went over everybody's head. I I asked Debbie, I said, did you hear what he just said? And she says, no, I wasn't, I wasn't listening either. I said, that's universalism. He's not saying all the other groups are lost and are in false religions. He's saying it's all the same thing. People might use different names, but it's all... It's like, you remember the Billy Joel song? You can call it New Wave, Punk, whatever, but it's still rock and roll to me. It's like, it's still, it's, it's the one true God, okay? You all know these stories, but I'm at a point now in my journey that I can look back and I can see spirit was a megachurch. The megachurch gave me a platform to have credibility, but if this is the last message I speak for the rest of my life, this will be, if, if, if something were to happen to me this week, you can say, oh, well, he was born for this, for that thing that he said that day. What is today? September. I know this sounds grandiose, but September 17th. Well, that, that's why he was born. To, to, he fulfilled his mission. I hope that's not the case. I hope I have many more sermons to uh, speak. But I'm saying this is how convicted I feel about what I'm about to say to you. And, um, and some of this is not new. These are some things I've talked about before, but I want to, I want to sort of take it to a, another level. Um, so I think about all these things that sort of prepped me. And for any of you that watched, uh, 11, 11 Friday night, I think you, that may be why you all are here today. Cause you heard, I, I saw your comment about in that teaching Friday, this past Friday night, I talked about hearing a man in an interview talk about the concept of a higher power. This is one reason I conversed with Jared about this, because he doesn't mind me saying this. He is involved with recovery and speaks at AA meetings. And 
very familiar, as you all know, those of you that were here the day that I interviewed him, is very, uh, ve- very prolific in talking about the 12-step program. And uh, I, I refer to him a lot. I'll ask something like, what is it? What is step so-and-so? Like, uh, like I think step number four is about taking moral inventory. Isn't that right? And I was t- that's what I was talking about f- Friday night. Like finding out, not in a judgmental way, but finding out why do I believe what I believe? Like why, what motivates me? So I was talking about the concept, and I'll get to this in a minute, the concept of what exactly is your higher power? Most people say, well, it's God. Well, it may not be. I mean, if your number one motivation in life is to get revenge on somebody that hurt you early on, that's your higher power. That's that's You think it's God, but what really pulls your strings is that desire to get back at somebody. I'm not saying that every, everybody that's ever been hurt feels that way, but I've met people who I can tell that's their, you know, the French term raison d'etre, it means my, my reason for existence. And when people say, uh, well, I believe in the God of the Bible, well, which God of the Bible? Because those 40 writers, they're all over the map. Talk, you know, some talk about a God of love, some talk about a God of mercy, some talk about a God of judgment. Moses said, God, Moses said, don't shoot the messenger. Numbers chapter 31, he's, he's sending, you know. Moses' idea of God is God was telling him to go into other countries and kill other people constantly. <laughs> Moses, Moses' God was Israel first. And um, with the Midianites, Moses said, go into, go into that town and kill them all, kill all the men, kill all the women kill all the animals kill all the children uh unless the unless you find young women that are attractive and that you want to sleep with save them well that's a very different god than than paul talked about <laughs> you know paul for all of his faults he might have said i tell women to keep silent in the church but he never he never said kill everybody if they're not hot enough So, the, our Protestant canon is made up of uh, the writings of 40 authors. Uh, I don't know how much training you had in the Roman Catholic Church, but the, the Catholicism ha- includes the Apocrypha, which is another 13 books. But, but for our purposes, uh, it's, what is it, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, 66 books written by 40 authors or about a 1,500-year period, to different people groups for different reasons. And um, I used to say the Bible's full of contradictions. I don't even say that anymore. I don't think it's contradictions. If it was if it was all written by one person, then I would say that guy's in contradicting himself. But th- they're not contradictions. They're different takes on that's what that person believed in that era. Which is why I always say to you, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus appeared, when Moses and Elijah appeared with him, Moses wasn't holding the Ten Commandments. Moses had moved on from there. Again, this is all stuff I've said to you before, but I have to lay this foundation. Friday night, I said, what really inspired this teaching is this guy in this interview who said, I tried to find out what my higher power was. Because, 
And I said this to Jared the other night, and he agreed with me. I said, the thing is, for people who are in a 12-step step program who have dealt with addiction, addiction has been their God. They have to find something higher than that because that God of addiction demanded obedience, demanded to be served, uh, demanded finances. You know, people who are truly addicted, you know, there are people, you know, like uh, you, you might have had somebody in your family that had a drug problem who will, you know, they love you, but they'll steal from you. They'll lie to you. They'll do it because, the, because the, their God is telling them that's what they have to do. They're not care, thinking about you. They're serving their God. So that's why people in, who are coming out of addiction have to say, I had to find a power that was higher than that. And the reason people stay in, and feel free to jump in if there's anything I say that you don't think is correct. But the reason people stay in recovery is they know that that God is still out there and still demands sacrifices. So you have to keep concentrating on, no, I have to find what we said. So that's true. But you know what really sparked this more than anything else? I just, one day I was thinking, why does everybody say, oh my God? I mean, I hear it constantly. OMG, we like to watch these, these houses that get renovated. It's really cool. Very, very creative people and see what they do, you know, with a certain budget they have to work with. It's, it's, it's interesting. And, uh, the people we were watching who did these flips of these homes, it was, it was, they completely transformed these people's houses. And, Without exception, every person that walked in to see their new house, you know what they said? Oh my God! The, the term, oh my God, it's really not talking about a, um, a Jewish man with a beard sitting on a throne somewhere up in heaven. When someone says, oh my God, what, you know what it means? It means something, I'm experiencing something that's bigger than my comprehension. I don't have language for it. Another way of, of expressing the inexpressible. I mean, you've heard off-color jokes about there's no atheist that has sex because people end up saying, oh my God, so much, you know, if it's good sex. Don't act like you hadn't heard it. No, Bishop, I've never heard that. Yeah, you have. But you know, you've heard that. Like, Anybody that said, you know, that said they don't believe, you know, they, why, if they don't believe in God, why are they saying, oh my, you know, like, but, but it's because, oh my God, just, it, it, it's a blanket thing that expresses, when someone says, oh my God, they're not really talking about God in the sense that we're, we would be talking about God as the creator of all things, right? And, um, another thing that came up in our conversation, because where he was coming from with it is in dealing with certain people that he's talked to. You know, so, some people take issue with the fact that a 12-step program uses the term higher power. For some people, it's too religious. For other people, it's not religious enough. I think it's brilliant because it, it basically allows for people to make it into whatever they want to make. You know, when some people say they're higher power, yeah, they're talking about Jehovah God revealed through Jesus Christ and manifested the Holy Spirit. Yes, that is what they're talking about. Divide people. You know what I really, when the first time I heard Bishop Pearson really, really preach a sermon about reconciliation and inclusion, you know what my first thought was really? I thought, oh, 
that's the Holy, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, not I will pour out my Jesus. Jesus can be a stumbling block for people. Not spirit. You could say spirit to somebody that doesn't believe in Bible, doesn't go to church. They'll, they can get their head around that. Spirit unifies people. When you say Jesus, which Jesus are we talking about? Because Nazis believe they're Christians. Hitler believed he was a Christian and was doing the will of God and killing Jews. The Ku Klux Klan believe they're a Christian organization because, because they have a white God and a white Jesus. And so, you know, I love Jesus too, but I'm like, which Jesus are we talking about? Because I, I see the things that some people post on Facebook that I, I look at and I think, if that's what a Christian is, then please call me something else. Because I'm nothing like that. Uh, that does, that in no way reflects anything that I believe. Um, but the spirit, you're going to see a man, you're going to see a gender, you're going to see a nationality, you're going to see a belief system, you're going to see Moses' law. I'm leaving so that spirit can be revealed. And that's why on the day of Pentecost, people from all over the known world were there. But one thing we talked about is um, the concept of atheism. I said, you know, my problem with atheists is they're just as um, legalistic and fundamentalist as some old school Bible thumper. They're just in the other the other direction. But when you're like, but you're, you know, I'm an atheist. I'm like, that's a little, I don't think you are. Seriously, I mean, you know, the comedian Bill Maher, who has that show on, on HBO, he, cause he's an avowed atheist, and he came out with a movie years ago called Religious, and I went to the theater to see it, and it was supposed to be so groundbreaking. And I looked at it, I thought, about 80% of stuff he said in that movie is stuff I've said in sermons. That's not, I don't see what's so groundbreaking about that. I wanted to say, Bill, I don't think your issue is with God as much as it is with crazy people doing stuff in the name of God, killing each other. And I said, if for that, I'm with you on that. Like, that that's a fair point. But I don't think it's atheism. I don't even have a problem with agnostic. Agnostic means, I don't know, I don't think anybody can know. Um, that is, I think agnostic's probably kind of a m mature wor word. I'm agnostic about some things that I used to be absolutely sure of. I used to be absolutely sure if I anoint you with oil and pray for you in the name of Jesus, you will be healed. And that didn't always happen with people. You know, that happens a few times. I remember <laughs> going, going to do a funeral of somebody I'd prayed for who passed on anyway, and I thought, man, I envy the Baptist so much. Baptists have it so easy because, you know, Baptists could just say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. You know, <laughs> healing's not the will of God for everybody. That would be so much easier to raise somebody from the dead. Like, you said this would work. And I'm like, sometimes I hate being full gospel because you preach this stuff and then people expect you to deliver it. I'm like, I don't know, don't shoot the messenger. That's what the scripture said and I was just preaching it. Y'all think I'm kidding. If y'all knew some of the stuff, when people say, do you miss pastor in a mega church? Oh, hell no. Because when you're, when you're that well known and every, you know, people pick apart everything you say that wants it, they can have it. Enjoy. Because it's, it's 
constant something that's just, you know, I did it. Very proud of what I did for 30 years there, but I have moved on from that. Um, I have not moved on from Revelation. I have not moved on from the idea of God. And so that's why this week when somebody said, I kept hearing, oh my God, and ever since, since then I've heard it. I thought, why do people say that? Want for words. It's just, oh my God. Exodus chapter 3, uh, Moses says in his narrative that he was walking one day backside of the desert. He sees a bush that's burning. It catches his attention. He says, I will now come aside and see this thing. He goes, the, the bush was not consumed by the fire. And he begins to hear a voice speak to him. I've heard the cry of my people. You are to go to Pharaoh and tell him to, you know, command him to make his economic system collapse because the, the, the economy of Egypt is built on slavery. Uh, and so you're, you're to go and t- to tell Pharaoh something like that. And the voice says to him, you tell him the I am sent you. I am. I am that I am. He didn't say you tell him Jehovah sent you. He didn't say you tell him Adonai sent you. He didn't say you tell him God sent you. Hold on. The concept of I am is a broader concept than the concept of God. Because when I say God, it collapses into your theological understanding of God. I am implies that I'm not going to give you a name because there's no way you can understand everything that I am anyway. I just am. It's the ultimate name because there's no there's no modifier. There's no de- definition of it. It's it's a continual mystery. I am. I am what? Just I am. Um, I love, somebody asked me just this. Oh, I know. I was in, in physical therapy this week. And uh, the guy was, it's, it has become my favorite part. Although it kind of hurts. The first day he did it, I mean, if you don't know, I had shoulder replacement surgery. And I was very protective of it. But he, he's he's easy with it. But when he first picked it up, I was like, oh, 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 please be careful. Please be careful. I just had a whole new shoulder put in there. You have no idea what I've been through. And he starts mo- when he starts moving it, and I'm like, ow, 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 ow. And then he keeps doing it. I'm like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Okay, that's good. Just moving it again. I'm like, actually, it's pretty good. Okay, I'm like, we can do this every time I come. Yeah. Okay. He keeps doing it, and I'm like, this is like really good. Finally, I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure I want to have this guy's baby, but I don't want to tell him that. I just want to. <laughs> I'd like, can we at least, can we at least date? Because this is really good. When I went in this week, we did the exercises first, which is fine. I'm doing the pulleys and the things. And I said, are we not going to do the thing? He said, yeah, I'm saving it for the last. It's dessert. I was like, all right. I'm going to do these pulleys, boo. But you got to meet me over that table a little bit because you know, you know what daddy needs. Come on. And uh, 
it really taught me something about persistence because at first I thought this is this is going to hurt too bad. Just let's let's not do it. And then you know you sort of lean into it and push through it. It's like oh that's actually this is a good lesson to learn that you sometimes you have to push through the pain to get to the deliverance. So, um, so anyway, um, the idea of the I am is something that's indescribable. Um, let me show you, are we ready for this, Charles? Let me show you this, and I, I'm just submitting this to you just because I thought it was interesting. I'm not saying you have to agree with this, whatever. It's a, it's a guy I follow on Facebook. I don't know that much about him. Some of the stuff that he writes, I think, that's pretty good. I like I like the way he puts this together. This is what he, he says, um, when monotheist, because in the beginning of Genesis, it's polytheism. It's let us make man in our image. It's it's the Elohim. Elohim is more than one. But Abraham comes along and says, you're talking about the same one. It's all one God. Okay. When monotheism puts language around it, it speaks of God. Let's keep going. When Hinduism puts language around it, it speaks of Brahman. When Buddhism puts language around it, it speaks of sonyata. When philosophy puts language around it, it speaks of monism. When Native American spirituality puts language around it, it speaks of great spirit. When Advaita Vedanta puts language around it, it speaks of non-duality. When psychology puts language around it, it speaks of transcendence. When physics puts language around it, it speaks of quantum field theory. When Chinese around it, it speaks of Rigpa. When esotericism puts language around it, it speaks of source. When humanism puts language around it, it speaks of peak experiences. When science puts language around it, it speaks of consciousness. When non-religious spirituality puts language around it, it speaks of love. When you experience the reality itself that all these words point to, no words are needed and is beyond words themselves. The ultimate reality that can be told is not the ultimate reality. I'm not saying I'm a devotee of this guy, but that really resonated with me. And let me tell you why. Uh, you know, I started preaching when I was 13. We lived about two blocks from here. Um, and um, I had, when I was in eighth grade, I had many more people in my daily Bible study than are here right now. This is, like, my groups, my, my audiences physically are smaller than they've ever been. So I've, I've always just, I mean, when I was a kid and had a treehouse, I would just start talking about God and neighborhood children would, climb up in there and listen to me. I probably told them wrong stuff, but that, you know, they, they would listen to me. I mean, I just, I've never doubted that I'm called because anytime I would talk about God, I've just drawn an audience. Um, and what, what I had joked about is when I, when I first started preaching, I knew everything. It was beautiful. I don't know where I lost that information but you should have seen me at 13. I don't know why 
my dad let me do this. I guess he just let me learn the hard way. But when I, when, when I was growing up and my dad would let me preach, he just was hands off. He just let me make my own mistakes, whatever. And once I got that microphone in my hand, I didn't want to give it up. So I would, when I would finish my teaching, I would open up for questions and answers. And because I learned, I mean, I could, I could, I memorized scriptures constantly. So I could, I mean, it was pretty impressive to see a 13, 14 year old quote entire chapters of the Bible. For those of you that, you know, we're familiar with the Wash by the Word. That's four, four hours of of CDs filled. I'm not I'm not reading a script. That's that's all quoted scripture for four hours. Open in my lap, I was memorizing scripture. So because I was so precocious, you know, when you when you start, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I mean, there's a certain authority to it, and people. It sounded like I knew more than I actually did. Have you ever, you ever tried to talk to a parrot or a minor bird because you think they can converse with you? And they're like, well, hello, hello. You're like, hello there. They don't know. They're, they're, they're mimicking a sound. They're not communicating with you. Um, and so because of that, people would say, I was so full of myself. I would, a lot of book of Revelation. I remember by this time, We'd already moved over to Barcliffe Road, so I would have been like a junior in high school. And I'm preaching one night, and I got through, and I said, can I do questions and answers? And Dad just said, yeah, go ahead. People are asking me, like, Jim Earl, who are the two witnesses mentioned in the book of Revelation? This is something that Bible scholars have argued about for years. There's no definitive answer to that. But I was too much of an idiot to say, Nobody knows that. So I'm like, well, some people say it could be Moses. Some people say it could be Elijah. But I have my own, you know, who knows what BS I said. And because people were so clueless about the Bible themselves, they just went for it. They're like, he's good. boy." I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, <laughs> later years I asked Dad, I said, why didn't you stop me? Why didn't you just say, that's enough. He said, you had to learn it for yourself. I said, well, I did. And uh, for, for all of the complications of our relationship, and we had, we had much complication, he also depended on me. Like, this is back in the charismatic days where there was lots of prophecy and lots of tongues and interpretation. And uh, anytime somebody gave a message in tongues in church, I, my dad would always look at me like, <laughs> and I'd be like, because he's he's wanting me to interpret it. Because I would just I would just go for it. How many how many messages you got? Bring it on. You got another one? Okay. For thus says the Lord. I mean, I can. You want to go? I can go. And so my dad just he depended it on me for that. Like you know, you got this. Um, and I could tell you stories about that that would be amusing but anyway here's here's the point with this i can talk about these ethereal things but if i don't bring you something that is workable in your own life then all i've done is just you know 
pontificated. I mean, I am, if there is such a thing that it's true that Jesus led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, I, I am a pastor. I mean, just yesterday, we, we spent most of the day binge-watching something on Netflix, and we left and got lunch and came back, whatever. But the whole time I'm there, I'm pastoring people, constantly. I mean, I'm, I'm watching TV, but, you know, every about 10 minutes, I get a text from somebody, you know, please pray for so-and-so, you know. So that that, I'm sure, you know, whenever I do go, <laughs> I'll be like on the bed, and somebody will say, hey, before you go, could you just, could you pray for them? <laughs> okay, I'm about to go. And I know, I know, but could you just, could we just squeeze one more prayer out of you before we go? Cause I, cause these are, most of the people who texted me yesterday are people I have not seen in years who still consider me their pastor. I'm like, I don't think I'm your pastor. If I haven't seen you since 1993, I don't think I'm your pastor still. Cause I know you haven't tithed since 1993. <laughs> And uh, but people know like, after we left church now we never went anywhere else. He know because he the only one. I'm like no, I don't want to be the only one. That was a color purple reference I did for Claudette. I always remember you laughing about with. I don't do it much anymore. It's a different time now. I understand. But uh, Sophia's laugh at the table. You remember when she? They thought she had completely. She wasn't listening, and she starts going. <laughs> And Mr. says, I mean, Mr.'s dad says, played by Adolf Caesar, goes, well, the dead has arisen. Yeah, that's, that's funny. I was talking about how when you think it's the end, something comes up out of you, you start going, <laughs> if you never saw the color purple, you don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I haven't referred to that in a long time. That was strictly for you. Um, but here's the point of saying all of this. I'm a pastor, so I want I want this to make sense for you in your personal life. And here's the point of saying all of this. You say, well, I love God. I worship God. I, I serve God. No, you serve the God that you believe in. You serve and worship the God that you have imagined. I'm not saying... There isn't a God, of course. Of course there's intelligent design. and Even though I believe the earth is much older than 6,000 years, yes, the evolution is very sophisticated. And there does seem to be a mind behind it. And I do believe that there is a creator. Do I believe it's a gender-specific Jewish man with a beard on a throne? Not necessarily. But I don't even want to take that away from you. If it's your comfort zone, if that's what you believe, then fine believe that I, it's not it's not problematic for for where i'm at you say universe you say conscious whatever i'm like you're still saying i am you're still saying oh my god you're still saying something that i i don't have words for it john says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he didn't say a person was god he said the Word was God. Not the Bible was God, but the Word, the Theos, the Theologic, Theological, the Logos of God, the, the, the logic that makes sense. In the beginning was that Word. And that Word was not only with God, that Word was God. If you need a, something with a face and fingers and toes and 
that fine if that's where you are and i don't mean that in any i'm not casting any shade i'm just saying i don't i don't need anthro anthropo you know what i'm yes what is it i don't need anthropomorphic dimensions i believe jesus provided that jesus gave us that for 33 years and then he says i'm out you know you saw god as a human being now you you've got to still get a bigger idea of god so that's why if you say consciousness or whatever i'm like i tomato tomato you're still saying i am you're still saying oh my god you're still expressing the inexpressible fine bishop i get it what wh- how does it affect me how is it going to get me through my week well here's the thing everybody has a higher power or two or three or five That's why I'm nearly more inclined now to say what is your highest power? Because we've all had stuff that's happened in life. Everybody's been affected by life experiences. But some people have been so profoundly affected by life experiences that they have arrested development. They've stopped there. Like they were going through life. La la la, here's life. Da, 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 da. And this thing happened that so profoundly changed them that it has now become their higher power. Y'all hear what I'm saying? They can say, "No, I worship God." No you don't. You think you do. You worship that higher power. What is it? What's well, my rejection? All right, well if that now everybody's felt rejection. I'm not saying it's true for everybody, but there are some people that have experienced it so deeply and so profoundly that it affects every decision they make it affects every relationship that they're in it affects the, their paradigm everything that they don't realize it but every time they act out of that extreme rejection they are worshiping a god i'm not talking about sin i'm not talking about deliverance i'm saying <sighs> what is the language it says we when we recognize we were powerless it it's part of the mantra that said when we recognize we were powerless over the addiction you know what i'm talking about it's it's something along those lines it's why we had to have a higher power because we realize the, the addiction god was demanding service you understand what i'm saying i'm i know i'm not quoting it right but we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity because at the very heart of addiction is ultimately selfishness it's like i'm serving self my needs come before yours so i don't hate you but i'll kill you if i need to because i've got to get that substance and and probably self is the one of the main higher powers what listen you know with the scripture um when uh they say in the gospels uh like a a day of judgment in theory and they say um but lord we did all these things in your name we healed people we cast out devils and he says but depart from me because i never knew you and when I, before i knew how to rightly divide the scriptures that passage used to really scare me cuz you know you think well if you're doing all those things that means you're you're okay right 
But, you know, Paul comes along and says, if I prophesy or give my body to be burned as a martyr, if I have not love, it doesn't profit me anything. So there are people who go through the motions of spirituality, of Christianity, of, of biblical whatever, but they're, they don't know God and God doesn't know them. What I, I mean, God knows all, but you know what I mean. Like there's no, there's no real relationship. Whatever and whoever that thing is, that thing that still, after all these years, still speaks to me and in me. I don't know, I don't know how to make it happen. I've never figured out a formula that makes it work. Tech team knows. I generally will send, a, you know, my outline on Saturdays, but on occasion I have said, I got nothing to send y'all because I've left several messages for spirit and spirit ain't returning my calls and I ain't got nothing to say. When I hear something, y'all will be the first to know so you can organize it into an outline. But as of right now, I ain't got nothing. And thankfully they're very supportive. Like it's all good, busy. You'll get it because I'm completely dependent on that thing that I call God, that's Holy Spirit for me. And I don't know what stimulates it or Him to speak to me. I only know that it's real and it's never stopped. Even times when I've wanted it to stop, I've said, okay, I've done enough. Out of the clear blue, sometimes when I'm at my least spiritual there it is again. Um, there's a, a years ago. Uh, I was talking to Reba about this when she was here last year. I said, "There's a song you wrote. It was on your Dreaming album. I don't need a t-shirt, t-shirt." Uh, came out in 1980. I remember buying that album. Uh, and there's a lyric in it, because she does this thing where she's not wanting, it's, it's like a dressing room sketch where she's not wanting to go on and sing, but God begins to speak to her like, you have to, you, I've called you to do this. And the, the, the line goes, because um, she keeps talking about how much I want to quit and I'm going to leave and go out the back door. Whoo! It says, somehow I keep remembering things I've tried hard forgetting, like words you placed within my mouth you thought only I could say. Man, that line, I told us, Reba, you have no idea how many times that lyric has kept me in the ministry. Because there was so much about the ministry that I really hated. I mean, I just did. And, um, but that thing, you say, that's God. I don't know. I guess it's God. If you had asked me when I was 13, I would have told you for sure it's God. Now I'm like, it's mysterious. I don't, I nearly don't want, 
to try to define it too rigidly disrespects it. Do you know what I mean? If I had a definition for it, it wouldn't be, oh my God. Because, oh my God, it's, it's higher than a creator. It's higher than... I nearly... It's like I want to shut up about it right now because it's like something about it is so sacred that it's like it says, don't say anything else about it because it's too, it's unknowable. It's undefinable. Things that you know too well, you can manage. You can manipulate. You can... When Israel had Manna in the wilderness, as I've told you many times, manna is not a word, it's not a noun, it's a phrase that literally means what is it. They ate it for, I don't know how long, they were in the wilderness, 40 years, I guess it fed them the entire time. But every time they ate it, they still had no idea what it was. If you can box it in, if you can explain it, if you can define it, you miss it. There's a reason why Jesus told Nicodemus the wind blows where it wills. There has to be this element of mystery so that when I read you all these things that other belief groups call it, you can't pee all over that, sorry, but you can't, you can't. You've got to say, hey, you know what? In their vernacular, if that's how they define it, isn't that what you felt when you were talking to the indigenous people, the Native Americans? The day you said and said, we don't need Jesus, I said, that's not what you're really saying, but I understand what you're saying. Like they already knew that. They got it from nature. They got it from the wonder of God. That's why, why do y'all think I drag your butts down to watch sunrises and sunsets so much? It's because I want you to still be able to say, oh my God. There still has to be something that just blows your mind. If you've gotten to the place, let me tell you something. You know, if you're in a relationship that still once in a while doesn't still amaze you, your, your relationship's in trouble. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand some things dissipate. You know, the honeymoon can be over. But I'm talking about there'll be just something. You know, I, I, uh, so, sometimes we just go eat. I'll just get protein bars or something. But this this week I went to the store. I said, "Now let's do breakfast with eggs and turkey sausage and toast and everything." And I got up or I my little routine. I go to the bathroom first, check, check all my messages. Sorry, that's TMI, but that's, you know that's that's where I got to see you know. And uh, I didn't. I was letting Ken sleep as long as he wanted. All of a sudden, I hear rustling around in the kitchen because when I got up, it was dark in there. I heard wrestling. I, I smelled coffee being made. And I thought, that's amazing. You know, he's like clockwork. I don't have to say, are you going to make breakfast? I'm like, of course he's doing it. Because, uh, you know, I'm glad that I can still be impressed at that. You start 
losing your ability to appreciate something, you're in trouble. That's why I take pictures of everything. That's why I celebrate everything. I'm not, because it, I am in awe of it. I see it, Eddie, I see it in so many of your posts, the way you celebrate things that would be considered mundane or whatever. Why? Well, because you've had some, you've had some health scares. You and me aren't getting any younger. When you get closer to the end, you start thinking, wow, it's amazing. The whole thing's, am every bit of it. Every bit of on on Wednesday nights, I've been meeting every Wednesday night with my boys for over a year now. They don't even argue with me now about taking a picture. And now they just I just go, you know, we're doing it because they know I'm like I have to document my life because every time, every time I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I had three sons. You have no idea what a miracle that was. I was able to do what I had to do. I'm just, you know, I'm just telling you, that was way out of my comfort zone. And I have these three adult sons that we're not, you know, Judah and I don't agree on everything. We don't agree on everything politically. Jonah, with, with you know, my sarcasm with him, I reaped the whirlwind. Because, you know, he can say, he has no idea. Sometimes he'll joke with me and I'm like, you have no idea, but you just hurt my feelings so bad. But I'm, I'm not going to take it personally because I, you know, reap what I sow. And, um, but every time I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. These three really exceptional men are my sons. And they have every Wednesday night, if they're in town, they show up. I'm, I'm blown away by it every time. And the, the Wednesday night that I go and think, yeah, whatever, I'm, I, then, then I'm in trouble. Because, there's an oh my God in me. Oh my God. That's, that's amazing. Oh my God. I mean, I feel that way about y'all, the people who've stayed with me. Like, that's amazing because I've pulled you along lots of places, geographical locations, theological turns. I mean, for some of you, I really am your shepherd and you've been enjoying grass down here. And I'm like, this is good, but I need to tell you, you see, up on the side of that mountain, I know it looks really scary, but there's a little green patch up there. So I'm going to lead y'all. I'm going to lead y'all way, way up there. Because I think there's some good eating. And some of you have mistrusted me long enough that you're like, okay, that looks really high up there. Here we go. And then get you up there. You're like, you're right. It's delicious up here. Um, I don't want to ever lose that. I don't want to ever lose celebrating everything. And where it comes to us on a personal level is to do that moral inventory and say, what, what God am I serving? We don't have to go through a deliverance service. I'm not shaming you. I'm trying to get you to understand you may be acting out of something that's... It's... It's a dead God. It's like it's not, it's not bringing you life anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like that person you wanted to prove a point to for so many years doesn't matter now. That person you wanted to get revenge on, it doesn't matter now. Like that, that God has exacted enough obedience from you. It's time for you to find your higher power, your highest power. And if that leads you up to something that is the true God, that's as good as it gets. 
That's what it's, people, that's what it's all about. Last week, I didn't even tell you this. I came in, I live on the seventh floor, my, my parking spot's on the second floor. And I, went, I have no idea, this guy, I'd never seen him before or since. And I, I wish, I, when, I, when this little interaction was over with, I felt bad that I, I didn't give him more time. Because I was coming in, when you come in, you have to use your fob to open the glass door. And he was standing out there, and I'd never seen him before. And he walked in, he said, can I, can I come in? He said, I'm locked out. And at first I thought, Do you, are you sure you live in this building? Because please, you know, I don't know if somebody, there's a lot of homeless people in there. I mean, I don't know if this is a thing. I've, I've never seen you before. But I don't want to do that. So he looks, he looks sincere. And he said, he said, I just came out here to smoke a cigarette. He said, my, my part, I'm assuming he's gay. He said, my, my partner left me. He said, he beat me up and he took everything. I don't even have my fob to get in. And I said, I'm sorry, bud. So, so I said, yeah, come on in. We get on the, uh, elevator and I'm, I'm just looking at my phone because I you know you know when you're like I, can't, I don't have time to hear your whatever this story is I, I, I don't have time for it but we got to his floor what floor are you on fifth floor I hit the button we got up and he turned to me and he said what's it all about and he just looked so lost and I said you just got to take it one day at a time. Stay strong. And he said, okay. But it was just something about him saying, what's it all about? If I run into him again, I want to say, hey, look, I didn't give you enough time when we were on the elevator the other day. Let me tell you what it's about. Here's what it's about. It's kissing all those frogs till you find Prince Charming. And I'm not talking about human relationships. I'm talking about God being Prince Charming. Do you understand? Like, I've served myself. I've served my addiction. I've served my anger. I've served my need for revenge. I've served my this. I've served my that. The true God says, I'll have no other gods, plural, before me. And I don't have to renounce anything. I don't have to go smash a calf somewhere. I just need to say, you know what? That God is not giving me what I need. I'm going to find something higher than that until I find my highest power. You want to know why you were born? You were put here for some reason to go through everything you've gone through to find out well, that's not it. Well, that's not it. Well, that's not it. Here it is. To where... When you have that full revelation of the I Am, the oh my God, the thing that cannot be described or explained, you just integrate into it. You don't worry about death. You don't worry about anything. You're just like, there it is. And I 
like the old song says, I surrender all. I completely yield to it. So, um, I have, in this teaching, I have visited many things that I've said before. But I haven't said this, what I just told you, I haven't said that before. And that's what I want you to get today. No shame, no judgment, no pointing of the finger. Because I've had to deal with my own. Uh, I know, I know what it's like to have an ego that becomes such a god in your life that you, I mean, it, it's a hard taskmaster to do things out of ego that you don't even, why am I even doing this? Why am I even proving this point? Why does this even freaking matter to me anymore? And some, there, sometimes you have to really kind of bottom out before you start asking yourself those questions. Why do I care what that person thinks? Why am I, why am I posting passive aggressive? I've done this for years, but, but why am I posting passive aggressive things online hoping they'll see it? Why does it even matter to me? You know why it matters? Because your, your ego is saying, I am your higher power. And it's intimidating. Because when that higher power speaks, you're like, okay, okay. Yes, ego, yes. I, I worship you. I bow to you. To a certain point, you have to say, you know what? I need a higher, I need a higher God than this. I need a higher love. I need a, I need to evolve. Like this isn't satisfying me anymore. And you could see little bits of teachings, you know, when David would say things like, uh, how sweet are your words to my taste? Or they're like honey in the honeycomb. And all these different things. He's saying, I got to a place where you were really all I wanted, as it turns out. I'm going to put a comma there. Um, am I through talking about it? I don't know. We'll see. I'm in the middle of this series. I haven't done part three yet. I may. I may come back to it. I may integrate it into the teaching. I just knew I needed to say these things to you today. I want you to, first of all, locate your higher power or powers and work through that till you find your highest power, till you find God, till you find the I Am, till you look at all of it and say, oh my God, let's all stand.
press on. He said that I might know him. You think Paul knew everything about him. He said that I might just know him. So he pondered all these things. What is this thing we call the higher God? And Paul wrote about his business. What you hear? I just heard that song, Climb Every Mountain. You heard uh, Jamie Foxx sing with Barbara Streisand? Yes. So good. They, they really capture what that song is about. Yeah. Avery, what'd you hear? to um, where Jesus says there are many that aren't of us that aren't in our fold and if they're not against us then they're for us mm -hmm. so are we saying that those that are listed in his quote they are still pointing to Jesus I think they would and, have to be and also yeah. the quote that you said about um, is it Osteen when he leaned to the mic and said but his name is Jesus so all of those are saying what Jesus is saying that they're not in they're not in our fold, but they're not against us. It has to be. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what Jesus said in John ten. He says, "Y'all, y'all don't know this, but I have sheep and other pastors you don't know anything about. But they're all going to come together and they're going to have one yeah, shepherd." Yeah, yeah. Is his name going to be Jesus? I don't know. When when John saw him, he didn't call him Jesus. Mm -hmm. He said he had a name called faithful and true. He had a name called the Word of God. And he had a name that nobody knew but he himself. You know, on the other side, your name isn't even your name. John said, I, I saw a vision that everybody had a white stone that had an engraving on it that was like their actual name. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, the old gospel song, I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. Yes. You have to embrace your whole journey. All yeah. the all the stupid stuff yeah. you did, all your wrong choices, yeah. oh all God. of your falls. Yeah. Say, nope, I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now because if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have learned that. Right. Did it humble me? Oh, yeah. yeah. It nearly broke me and it was my fault. But... I came out of it unscathed and I mounted up with wings as eagles and I ran and I wasn't weary. I walked and I didn't faint. So if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have known that. So I embrace all of it. It was my journey. I, I embrace it without shame. Sonia? It, it, it makes you understand when you start thinking about when people feel like what their God is and there are different levels of God. Yeah. You know, uh, of, of understanding yes. of, of understanding them and where they are yep. and their different levels of yep. God. Because, yep. you know, when you, you know, uh, and you understand why they can't get where, when you realize that some of these people, and they at this point of their life, and they can't get past that point to see their higher God, 
and you are looking at them for something, but once you realize that they can't get past that point, then you can stop looking at them to see that they're going to give you what you need because you can Baby. go back and look and say, okay, that's her. You better preach. And so I need to stop looking for you them better for preach. and look above them and find my own power of God. Baby. Yep. I'm telling you, if you can get a hold of this, you never have to say, I need to stop judging people because it will just be the natural progression. You're just like, that's your journey. I don't, I have no opinion about it. That's absolutely because they've got to learn their journey. Their, their journey to God is a secret place of the most high to them. We all came out of God. We're all trying to get back to God. Yeah. I, I've been think, pondering this for weeks. Uh, I kept wondering about, I don't know why, the Tower of Babel. Yeah. And at that time, the whole known world, from what we understand, all spoke the same language. Right. And they all got together and they said, okay, we're going to build this tower so that we can get to God. But God had another idea. And he said, no, you're not going to build this tower. I'm going to confuse the languages right. and it's going to force you to go into the world and to, like he said, uh, we're going to come and we're going to take dominion. But when he confused the languages, and even on the uh, uh, day of Pentecost, the idea of the confusion of the languages kind of means to me the same thing. One, we've all got our own journey. Yep. I can't judge your journey because your journey's going to be different than right. mine. But even if I don't understand what you're saying, I have to... I have to bow to that because that's that's just who you are. I don't care if you uh, and and that was the thing I loved about when uh Dr. Moon came because just like you had seen you saw the Buddhist priest, you saw the right. imam, you saw the the rabbi and right. all of that and I looked at that and they they call him different names right. but it's all God. Right. So why do we keep sowing division and hatred instead of recognizing we're right. all trying to get to the same thing? Well, with a lot of way. people, tribalism really is their God. Yeah. Which is why if you do something that breaks the rule of the tribe, tri now, you, now you've incurred tribal shaming. And we have to disconnect from you. And that's not... But yes, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> tribal right. shaming. You can get yours later. <laughs> but did y'all get anything out of this? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. They're his stories. They never lose their power. Thank you. Those stories, that's your kryptonite. Thank you. never apologize for them. Tell them until on your deathbed, tell somebody one of your stories. All right, y'all sit down. I got some stories I want to repeat. No, I appreciate that, and I received that. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. Well, it's kind of like I'm a real fan of comedy. And I went to see this guy years ago, this Gary Goldman. I've seen him tw twice in person. I think he's very, very funny. 
And the first time I saw him, I was at Laughing Skull. I was there by myself. And it was kind of a tough crowd. And he said, I don't know what else to say. He said, does anybody know any of my stuff? Would you like me to do I said, yeah, do the thing about, he does this whole thing about cookies. That's very funny. I said, yeah. And I, I was familiar with his stuff enough that, you know, I said, yeah, do that thing. And then he kind of got in the zone, you know, and I met him afterwards. He said, man, you saved my butt tonight. I said, no, I love your stuff. I've heard you tell that stuff over and over again, but it makes me laugh every time. It's very funny. So thank you. I received that. Uh, Charles, can we play the outro of this, please? Do you have that? You will then receive a notification that you successfully completed your donation. You may also visit missionthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. Uh, if you have uh, a check, make it to JESM and you can give it to Colonel or Avery, they'll uh, put that in. And if you have cash, just pay it forward and bless somebody. Um, I speak clarity over you and perception and priority and whatever has been stirred up today that you needed to hear, that you will respond proactively to it. Um, and I send you forth with grace today. I bless your unique journey your secret place of the Most High. That which is sacred in me honors that which is sacred in you. And in the name of the I Am, I bid you peace. Peace. See you next week. <laughs>